I'm going to do the sermon a little bit different, or at least the scripture reading a little differently this morning. I'm not going to read the long passage that you find in your bulletins. The sermon is based on those verses. If you would like to follow along, I would encourage you to uh, grab one of the pew Bibles that is in front of you and turn to Matthew 5, the fifth chapter, verses 21 through 37. And during different parts and moments in the sermon, I'll be making reference and reading from those verses. But I'm not going to read the entire thing to you this morning. The verses that form the foundation for the scripture or for the sermon this morning are part of the Sermon on the Mount. And most New Testament scholars would say this is the the most expansive teaching that we have given to us by Jesus. Certainly Jesus taught in many and and varied forms and other ways. He taught through parables. He taught through example. He taught through uh, the example of other people, making reference to other people. But as far as direct speech, direct preaching, this is probably the greatest content or level of content that we had and have in the New Testament. It is a word that's directed to an audience that would understand something of the meaning. They'd have the background necessary to understand what Jesus was talking about. So as we move through some of these uh, things that Jesus says, you'll note that the things that he starts with are all from the uh, Ten Commandments. He pulls from the statutes to begin his teaching. So, it's not as if other cultures and other uh, societies did not have prohibitions against things like murder, for instance. But, when Jesus makes reference to it, he's preaching to a largely Jewish audience who would have understood exactly what he's saying when he says, you have heard it said. So, by way of continuing that thought, you have heard it said, Christianity makes sense. Your life will go better when you sign up with Jesus. It sounds a lot like a Coca-Cola commercial. Things go better with Coke. Things go better with Jesus. But I say to you, listen to Jesus. If you take him seriously, your life may become more complicated. Spend a little time listening to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and you're going to feel your collar getting tight around your neck. Take today's text, for example. Looking at chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that if you are angry with a brother or sister 
you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. Conventional wisdom. You shall not murder. And I hope all of us are in agreement with that. We have laws that prohibit that. That's accepted. That's conventional wisdom. It's not new. It's in the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, you have heard it said from ancient times. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But then Jesus' righteousness says, you shall not hate. You shall not let your anger turn in to hatred. So, many of you have been watching, I suspect, the Winter Olympics. And if you've been watching those Olympics, you know they've been in Russia. Well, on opening night, I remembered my days in elementary school. And I guess I was remembering how things have changed, but I was also remembering how much I was taught, and those of you who are around my age or older were taught the same thing, that the Russians were our enemies, that the Russians were to be feared, that the Russians were to be hated, and we were taught that for darn near 50 years, certainly 40 I remember in elementary school as a 10-year-old going through drills where we were told, we were instructed as to how to uh, and what to do in case of a nuclear attack. Get under your desk, find the biggest book you can, and put it over your head as additional protection from a nuclear bomb. And we went through those drills from time to time. And in my school, we also did tornado drills, and the, the tornado drill was remarkably similar to the drill for nuclear attacks. You get under your desk. The, the main difference I remember as a 10-year-old is we were, we were told that the teacher might instruct us to throw our books, instead of putting them over our head, throw our books through the window. And that would uh, lower the risk of flying glass. The, gl- the windows would already be broken. So you can imagine as a 10-year-old, we were all hoping for the tornado and the opportunity to throw our books as opposed to the nuclear bomb. But remembering that, I also remembered uh, in watching the Olympics, I I can remember how much over the course of the years uh, I fiercely, fiercely detested, really hated the Russians. And the Olympics gave expression to that. I remember watching a basketball game that we lost, I think, in 1972 Olympics. My brother broke his hand uh, because he felt like, and, and, I still, and I feel like, we were robbed of the game, the United States was. And he slammed his fist into the wall at the end of the game after the Russians beat us. Broke his hand. And in that process, I was remembering or thinking, 
Gosh, how hard it is to let go of grudges. How hard it is when you've been taught something for as long as, as I had been taught that and you were taught that, how hard it is to let go of that. How hard it is to forgive. How hard it is not to harbor anger. I had a young woman some years ago who had experienced a uh, messy divorce. And she she was talking about that experience. And she said to me, in the course of our conversation, she said, I don't want my ex-husband to die. I don't want to kill him. I just wish he would vanish. I just wish he would disappear. I just wish he would be no more, as if he didn't exist. How hard it is not to harbor anger that leads to hatred, to lead, that leads to, I don't care if you exist or not. In fact, I do care. I wish you didn't exist. Jesus challenges us at that point. Conventional wisdom, don't murder. Jesus says, no, 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 it's not enough. You don't harbor hatred in your heart. You don't carry grudges against others. Well, the second thing, 27 and 28. Jesus moves right along, doesn't give us any time to breathe here. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust already has committed adultery with her in his heart. Conventional wisdom says you shall not commit adultery. And again, I hope that all of us are in agreement with that. When I give uh, premarriage awareness inventories to the couples that are getting married, that I'm about to uh, you know, do the wedding, do their weddings. And if we have enough time, if circumstances allow for it, and they're not 100 you know, or 300, 500 miles out of town, and we have time to do this, we go through these premarriage uh, awareness inventories. And I've been doing this for years and years, long before I ever got here. There's a question on that inventory. How important is sexual fidelity in marriage to you? How important is that? And I have never, they give you a range of answers. Very important to, and eh, not really. I've never, ever, of all the uh, uh, hundreds of times I've given this, probably close to 250, 300 times that, that I've used that inventory. I've never, ever seen an answer to that particular question that didn't circle, where the person didn't circle, very important. That's conventional. That's the hope. That's the expectation that we have. We know that all too frequently that expectation is violated. Conventional wisdom, something we all agree on, you shall not commit adultery. Jesus, in speaking to the additional problem that can lead and frequently does lead 
to adultery. It says, you shall not window shop. If you're not looking around, if you're not tempting yourself, if you're not standing in front of the window gazing, the likelihood is you won't buy. The likelihood is you won't travel that path. Jesus says, don't put yourself in that position. And if you do, don't be surprised if you, fall, if you fail morally. Jesus, you know, exactly, don't lust in your heart. Don't window shop. Pay attention to the commitments and the vows that you've made. And be true to those. Another thing Jesus says in these verses, verse 33 through 36. Again, you have heard that it was said in ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Conventional wisdom says, the Ten Commandments say, you shall not bear false witness. When we go to court... We're asked to tell the truth, the whole truth. We're asked to swear that we will tell the truth. Jesus is saying, you should be in his righteousness. You should be trustworthy. That when you speak, people should trust you enough that they believe the word that you say. You don't have to swear on a stack of Bibles to prove you're trustworthy. You don't have to swear on your mother's grave. You don't have to do the pinky swear. You should speak. And that which you speak, is, is uh, the person is able to hear and believe and know it as authentic because you are trustworthy. They can trust what you say. No need to swear. No need to convince somebody that you're worthy of trust. That your yes is yes, as Jesus says, and your no is no. That the answer you give is the most honest, most authentic, most trustworthy answer you can provide, the most trustworthy counsel that you can give. And that people can hear that. They might disagree with it, but they can trust it. That's what Jesus, in his righteousness, asked us to do. And each of these things, to move beyond conventional wisdom, things that pretty much everybody agrees on. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness. Who disagrees with that? But Jesus, in his righteousness, says... There's more to it. 
move beyond the letter of the law to the spirit to be to being righteous and Jesus calls us to that kind of righteousness so you know lord jesus we came to church today not only to praise you and to worship you but also to be taught by you teach us lord and give us the grace to hear you even more to practice in our lives what you preach. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the direction, the counsel, the wisdom, the truth that you give us through the words of Jesus. God, help us to have the strength to be who we claim to be. To let our yes be yes. To let the claim that we make that we're disciples of Christ, followers of Christ. Lord, to let that be true. To be trustworthy in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of commitment this morning is number 348. More about Jesus I would know. I invite you to stand as you're able as we sing together.